Welcome to the messages of Cornerstone Anglican Church. There is a path where wisdom starts. In this wonderful Trinity Sunday message, Pastor Andrew explores the origins of wisdom and how we can build our life upon this godly foundation. We're looking at the readings for today. They primarily tend to emphasize the role of the Holy Spirit more than linking the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit together. So it got me thinking as to what is it that we want to look at out of these readings that just might give us a glimpse of whom God might be. It came to me that this reading from Proverbs has bothered me for over 40 years. I am a trained liberal theologian and Bible scholar. And I can say that because I was trained at the foremost liberal theological college in Australia and the level of my degree would be equivalent to a first level honours at a university. So I think that gives me some credence of actually knowing something about liberal theology and its approach to the Bible. Because you don't get those sort of grades unless you show you understand the thing. Interestingly, you don't have to agree with it. You can score those grades if you argue a case in the light of their theology and their understanding of the Bible. Now, unfortunately, that training affected my being able to deal with Proverbs chapter 8 effectively. And that was because of the nature of liberal theology. Now, when you start talking about a particular stream of theology, you've got various grades of it. So I want to pull out the extreme liberal theology because that gives us a glimpse of where such a theology can go if we truly get it wrong. And we need to understand that coming out of the Enlightenment and scientific development from that, there were two Christian reactions. One which we know as liberal theology and the other which we know as fundamentalism. Now, the extremes of both that, the extreme liberal theology and the extreme fundamentalist, are opposite reactions to the same issue. And that is that the claim that miracles themselves don't exist, simply what we have known as miracles in the past is the God of the gaps. When there's a gap in what we know, we call it a miracle. And science is showing more and more and more that those gaps can be answered from natural, not supernatural, activity. So we dismiss of God of the miracles. We don't need him anymore. That was one of the structures. And it's interesting that both a liberal theologian and a fundamentalist theologian told me 
that God doesn't do miracles today. Now, the fundamentalist theologian would say, yes, God did miracles in the Bible, and God did miracles up until the canon of the Bible was established, which is the Bible as we know it in its authorised version. But then God stopped doing miracles. But the liberal theologian, no, no, God doesn't do miracles. We've actually dispensed with them. Now, I can tell you that both those streams can come to that position. Isn't it interesting that both reactions are happy to do away with miracles in our new scientific age, which has been from the last three or 400 years? Prior to that, we believed in miracles. My problem with liberal theology, and it's extreme, it's a theology of negation. It wants to do away with this Christological structure of the New Testament. It wants to dispense of Jesus as the Christ. Now, some of the most extreme would say Jesus himself never really existed, and neither did Paul. Well, you can't sustain that anymore because secular history shows both of them actually existed. Then there are those who say, no, no, well, we don't believe that those miracles that you see in the Bible, they weren't real. They were just the early church's attempt to boost the image of Jesus, to make him the Christ and just give some substance to it. That also is not viable because secular history, secular resources show that Jesus was known in his day as a miracle worker. How does this sense of negation affect this little passage from Proverbs? You see, there is some sense of what is wisdom? What is it? Well, it's there and we're supposed to get it and we're supposed to search for it and we're supposed to treat it like it's gold and all those things that Proverbs tells us about it. But at the end of the day, is it divine? Is it part of God? Does it originate in the being of God or is it something else? And there's some sense where some would think that, well, wisdom is Jesus. But there's a problem here in Proverbs 8. And that was that wisdom was created. It was created before everything else. But it's created. Therefore, it can't be the Son of God, because the Son of God is not created. And this has bamboozled me for years, mainly because of the link to the New Testament where Jesus is wisdom. Then it struck me that wisdom is something God created. Wisdom is a construct using that word in the best sense of deconstructionism. Wisdom is a construct. And it's the first of the creation. Now, of course, some would want to link Jesus to this because Paul says somewhere that Jesus is the first of creation. But I want to de-link Jesus from this for a minute. And let's just focus on what wisdom in Proverbs is trying to throw at us and make us understand in relation to God. So let's start at the beginning. Well, let's start before the beginning, and that is that before the beginning, 
there was God. And even though the Old Testament's a bit slow at getting to the unveiling of the true nature of God, which we get when we hit the New Testament, we hit Jesus, God is monotheistic. There is only one God. There are three religions that believe in a monotheistic God. There is the Jewish religion, there's Christianity, and there's Islam. And Christianity's understanding is really radically different from the other two. Although Judaism, the Jewish religion, has glimpses of it. It has nuances of the incredible mystery of God as Trinity. But saying that Christianity is monotheistic doesn't mean that it's monochrome. There is this sense of an incredible picture of God where he's got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And none of those persons are created. Even the Son is begotten. He is the uncreated Son of God. We are all sons and daughters of God. We are created sons and daughters of God. The Son of God is an uncreated Son. What does this mean? That God was there before space and time. What was there? God was there. There are two difficult questions in outreach you often get. Okay, when God created the world and the universe, where did God come from? It's simple. God has, before time and space is God. But not monochrome God. But God who is monotheistic is one God, not a hundred gods or not even three gods. But God is not monochrome because he is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he's always been there. Without beginning. And the second well. Isn't there three gods? No. There's the mystery. There's one God, but not monochrome. Not one colour. Not simply black and white. God with variety. In the sense of three persons. Now, in the Old Testament, you have this glimpse of the Son and the Holy Spirit. You don't get them in the sense of what we know in the Trinity. But you get the sense that the Son in the Old Testament is God's speech. And of course, the Spirit is God's power. But with the revelation that comes through Jesus of the Trinity to us, and then the theology of Paul, we get the sense that, hey, the Son is not simply the Word of God, And the Holy Spirit is not simply the power of God. Each of those people are persons in their own right, in the Godhead. And that's what the Trinity unveiled in the coming of Jesus brought us to understand some of the fullness of our understanding of God, which we didn't have before. And I think it would have been really hard for God to get this across to people and not necessarily in his mind at least. 
until he had to send the son. Until Jesus came. Now, wisdom is the first thing God created. I think wisdom was there to bring and sustain order in the new creation. It was a necessary element that helps you and I and everybody else that's been put on this planet to get things right, to get things right in our own lives and in our dealings with others. That's what wisdom's about. How do you get your life in order? How do you get your life right? And then how do you get your relationships with others right? When it goes to myself, how do I have the right attitudes? How do I have the right perspectives? How do I sow things into my life that are going to help me to prosper and grow? And if I don't go for wisdom, then things that come in my life that are going to be destructive to me. And then relationships, how do I help others grow and be strengthened and prosper? And if I don't go for wisdom, how do I destroy them? Because you know, we can destroy people. We can cripple them for life. Not just kids. But how we treat adults can emotionally and sometimes solically disable them. Get them to withdraw from whom they truly can be. And so God creates wisdom to assist us, to assist the new creation, to get things right and to keep them right. didn't quite work the way it ought to have. And that's why we've got Proverbs screaming at us to seek wisdom. Because to seek wisdom is to get things right in our life and keep them right in our life. Or we can go for folly, which is a really good way to stuff up your life and to stuff up the lives of others. So that's the contention we've got in Proverbs. And for me, I think, okay, I finally got what wisdom in Proverbs is about. And because it's created, it is definitely not the Son of God. It is definitely not God. Now, you know something? You and I are not constructs. You know, and it claims maybe the rest of the creation is a construct. But you and I are not constructs. Do you know why that is? Because God's not a construct. He's always been there. He's always been divine. And when he came to making you and I and the rest of us out there, is he made us in his own image, in his own likeness, And then he breathed his life, his life. Not just his creativeness, not just, let's just make men and women, boom, there they are. Like, you know, let's make cows, boom, there they are. Let there be light, boom, there's light. We may not want to go with the first creation story, but that's the sense that you get. But when it comes to you and I, he breathes his breath into us. And we become something that has never existed 
in the divine or in the created order. We become living souls. The combination between the created physical element that we are, made in the likeness of God, made in his image, and the breath of God bringing the spirit into our life creates an entity called the soul. And the soul's the referee part of our life. It determines who we are. It determines who we go for. It determines what we become. It determines whether we will seek wisdom or go for folly. And we are unique in the creation. Yep, we are created, without a doubt. But there's such a uniqueness about us that has something of the entity of God in us, which the creation does not have. Because before God, there is nothing apart from God. So we came out of nothing. We came out of the voice of God. We came out of the creative statement of God. Let there be light. Let there be men and women. That's why there was no time and space, because time and space begins with us. Time and space is created for us so we could live in this planet, live in this world, live in this universe. So nothing was created, and then God creates wisdom to get things right, and then he creates everything else. And whether he does it like science says or whether he does it in seven days, the issue is he did it. He made us out of nothing, brought us into existence out of nothing, and he is so different to us. Okay, I can live with that understanding of wisdom. It answers my problem, but what about Jesus as wisdom? What is the New Testament trying to say? But this is what I think. Wisdom could no longer do the job. It had failed. Just as the law had failed, wisdom couldn't get us right. It couldn't get us on the right track and it couldn't keep us on the right track. So the Son of God took over the job of wisdom in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is now our wisdom. So when the Bible tells us that Jesus is our wisdom, that the incarnate God, that is who Jesus is, the Son of God and the human Jesus, who are fully divine and fully human, that the incarnate God in Jesus Christ has now become our wisdom. So it is in Jesus that our life gets order, that our life gets right, that we actually begin to understand truly who we were meant to be and what God has done in Jesus to enable us to be the best we can be, how we can live our life so that we prosper, that we use to the fullest what God has given us to use and to be and God intended us to be to the fullest that we possibly can. And you know, 
we don't derail other people's lives. That we actually build them, strengthen them, challenge them, encourage them to go for all they possibly could go for. With one provisor, that they can only do that through Jesus. Because he's wisdom. He's taken over the job of wisdom. So he supersedes the wisdom of the Proverbs, the Jewish wisdom understanding. He supersedes the wisdom of the world. He is God's wisdom because he himself is God and he is our wisdom. And so when we think we can get by without him, we've negated wisdom and we've lent into folly. In other words, when we negate the wisdom and the source of wisdom that God gives to us, our whole entity, our whole life, begins to move towards folly. And some of us embrace folly more than others, but we all, at some point or other, without him, will engage folly in our life. And Jesus came to deliver us from that. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you that you created us. You made us uniquely the people that we are. And that through your son Jesus Christ, you have enabled us to engage wisdom at its deepest levels, to have our lives in order, to have our lives so structured by that engagement with you that we will prosper in whatever we are and whoever we are and that we will build the lives of others. Increase for us our engagement with your wisdom Increase in us our potential to be greater than we've ever been before. A greatness that reflects who you are, not whom the world thinks we should be. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to hear more great messages from Pastor Andrew, check out our Facebook page or look us up on the net at cornerstone-church.com.au.